Well, I'm very excited uh, to talk to you this afternoon. And um, Brother Kevin said I kind of look like a caged lion pacing back and forth. You might wonder why. And I'll tell you why. Because God talks to me. I got a big eye from the third row back. You know, we live in a world where when people claim that God talks to them, we have to say claim. When people say that God talks to them, people raise their eyebrows and they go. Right? Do you know God talked to the people in the Bible? All of them? Over and over? You guys, you guys ever read your Bible? Anybody, raise your hand if you read that in the Bible anywhere. In fact, that's what the whole story of the Bible is. The story of God talking to people. Oh, but he stopped that a real long time ago because God doesn't do that. He's a lot less personal these days. Really? Alright, my text for you comes from Galatians chapter 5. And I think that it's very possible that somebody's mind is going to be changed today. And I really hope it is. I really hope that when you see what the Word of God says, and you see what is available and open to you, that you will wholeheartedly embrace it, love it, and live it. I'm here today to talk to you about faith. Everybody say faith. Faith. Faith and the praying man. This was my assignment. And what an assignment to have. You know, I preached on sovereignty and I liked it. But the whole time I felt like these guys were digging at me that I just talked too much about it. Well, put, put on my thing, sovereignty slash responsibility. And I'll talk about that. But I was just supposed to talk about sovereignty, so I did. So I'm very thankful to get to talk to you about faith. Because really, what is faith? But it is the response to understanding the sovereignty of God. When you understand that He's in charge, when you understand that He has all power and everything depends on Him, but you can go out and do some amazing and incredible things. You guys, so someone, Brother Kevin, mentioned Stonewall Jackson. He liked Stonewall Jackson. You guys have probably all heard his quote, right? Remember, they called him a Stonewall Jackson because he stood there like a stone wall, right? And someone asked him, how do you do that with cannonballs whizzing overhead and musket balls and explosions how do you do that you guys remember what he said he said because i believe that i am just as safe standing out on the battlefield as i am in my home in bed he said if not i wouldn't be able to stand here he said i believe that my life is in the hands of the almighty and when he decides when i die and so he said how else could any man go into battle unless he believed that you guys want to go into battle? We've been hearing this morning and today that we're in a battle. Well, I can tell you right now, if you go into the battle and you go in your own strength, you're going to die on the battlefield. But if you go in the strength of the Lord, you're not going to be any different than the children of Israel, whom God said, no one is going to be able to stand before you. Right? Isn't that what he told them? He said, no one will be able to stand before you. My text from Galatians chapter 6 may seem like an unlikely text, but it's going to be our text. And you'll understand why shortly as I turn off something here on my computer. All right, Galatians chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me, starting in verse 16. This I say then, 
walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and the such like. Aren't you glad those are not the points of my sermon today? <laughs> 22 points. And such like. That would leave room for at least three or four more points, probably, right? Of the which I told you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another and envying one another. Seems like there's a theme to that passage, something about walking in the Spirit. What is that anyway? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. And what we love for you to do is to speak to us. Lord, what I love is when you speak to your people through me. Lord, I pray, Lord, that they would hear a beautiful tune. Lord, that you would pick up the trumpet of your word and that you would play a tune and a melody that by the time we're done here, that they will be singing along with joy and gusto. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. How many here of you today are tired of your own sins? Worn out, trying to keep those things away from you that you hate. I'm hoping that you'll hear the word of the Lord today and learn how not to fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Now, G.K. Chesterton, he said something one time that I can't get out of my head. And I really, really like it. I really believe the Bible uh, affirms this or I wouldn't repeat it. But he said, you know, he said, if you want to teach against the sin of drunkenness, He said, you know what you can do? He said, you can show people what the results are of alcohol abuse. You can show them poverty. You can show them abuse. You can show them addiction. In fact, they even had a time where they would walk around with a jar and they would show a diseased liver. He said, or you could introduce them to the wine of communion and the blood of Christ. He said, you could teach your children uh, as they grow up and they grow into maturity to avoid sexual immorality, Sam. And you can tell them how horrible sexually transmitted disease are. How horrible it is to have children out of wedlock, about heartbreak, about ruin. He said, or you could tell them about the beauty and the chastity of the woman blessed above all women who God chose to bring him into the world in human flesh. The Virgin Mary. Now some of you don't even like to hear Virgin Mary because you think somehow that's a Catholic thing. But just so you know, she was a virgin, okay? And that they don't own that doctrine. And Okay? You know what? When the world messes something up or even when the church does, we try to stray away from it. We don't like to even talk about that God talks to us. Now, we're okay about us talking to God. 
We, we're, we'll talk about that plenty. But nobody wants to talk about God talking to people because, well, we're not really quite sure he does that. Well, you're not, if you're not sure that he does that, then I just don't know if you've read the Bible. I, I really don't. You might go, well, we're not exactly sure. And you can, put your, you can move your glasses and make all the adjustments you want to make about it. But it, God does talk to people. And I'll, I'll go further than that. He talks to me. And if he doesn't talk to you, you might not be listening. Man. What is it going to take to get you all out? So doesn't the word of God say this? Now, we can spend our lives focusing on the sins of the world and worrying about them. And a lot of the people that we're around, I know they do this. They, they're worried about, you know, avoiding this, getting away from this, not looking at this. All the things they're not going to do, protecting this. They're like building a, a fortress around themselves. But you know, I, I remember Jesus saying that all power in heaven and earth was given to him. And for this reason, we should go. Now, if you go, you're not going to be in the castle anymore. You're going to be out there where there isn't one. So how are you going to do What are you going to do? You spend all your life building ramparts and, and building, you know, uh, moats and and, and all the stuff that you're doing, trying to keep the world away from you. And God's told you to go. Go where? Well, where did he tell Abraham to go? We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about faith. Get out from where you are and go. Go where? Just, just go. We spend a lot of our time worrying about it. And I'm not saying we shouldn't worry about it. Once again, I'm going to talk about faith, okay? And so there's a million things. If you want, give me the assignment next time about how to live a godly life and straighten up and not do bad things. but, But this is really the inoculation. You want the inoculation? What does the Bible say? Walk in the spirit and you will not do what? Fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Now, we don't want that. We want to say, oh, no, no, no. What you got to do is you got to put this filter and you got to not do this and you got to protect them and you got to keep this away and you got to do this. That's what they say. But the Bible says walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You might go, well, there's a balance there. All right. I don't know too many people talking about the way to avoid sin is by not walking in your flesh. And, walk in, and I always thought when I heard that, that that meant don't be worldly and whatever. No, that's not what it's talking about at all. Now, I'm not trying to say we should love the world. What's the Bible say? Love not the world. Okay. Am I going to have to do qualifying scriptures here? I'm all for that. But, 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 but oftentimes it's what we're going to do to, pr- to make this thing, this castle, this thing that we're trying to protect ourselves from. And God says, you know what? If you in your flesh think that you can protect yourself from sin. I didn't actually think I was going to tell this story, but I'm going to try to tell it real quick. Wow, I love to tell stories, but I only have an hour and a half. And, and I, you know, maybe two, maybe two hours at the most. <laughs> Early on, I got chickens. And uh, I love those little chickens. I raised them from eggs and I raised them inside my house. And, and uh, then I took them out and they went from little chicks. And I, I couldn't wait till they got to the time that they were beautiful. I got game chickens, not those ugly white ones, you know. And they were beautiful, you know. They were silver-laced Wyandots, you know. You may go, well, that looks like his shirt. Yeah, but that's right, that's right. And they were these beautiful chickens and, and they got to this certain age and I used to go out there and we had these goats and I, I, I became nature man and, and I was milking my goats and I was looking at my little chickens and, and one day I came out and the chickens were all gone, every one of them. I had built this beautiful fence and to keep every, you know, everything 
out, but I didn't put a roof on the thing. Duh. Amateur farmer move, right? And some raccoons came and they ate every one of my chickens. It was terrible. I could tell you the whole story. It's really funny how I tracked them down and shot them and skinned them and put them on the side of my barn as a warning. Because what I was really mad about is that I was an idiot for not putting a roof on top of the thing. But, but I finally got the roof on top of the thing. I built the most impregnable chicken fortress in the history of mankind. Only to find out later when I did it again and started from the beginning. I went through and I got a new set. And you know what happened? They grew up, but they wouldn't lay any eggs. I'm like, what in the world's going on? I went out there. I'm like, I look at it, and my chickens are like this. <laughs> And I'm like, well, ain't nothing getting in the pen. <laughs> Except some big old Austrian roof rats when they, they bulldozed a neighbor's barn down the road and they all came over and they got inside the pen. And the problem is, is when we pin it all in, we, this is what the analogy at least came to be to me, is that we pin it all in and what is hurting them is inside the pen. What are we going to do now? The Bible says in Ephesians 5.12 that it is a shame even to speak of those things done of them in secret. And I think we spend a little too much time talking about what they are doing. And how nasty they are. And how horrible they are. And how they tempt us. And I'm, you know, I love you. I have problems too. But I'm telling you, you want to you be healed. You want to be delivered from the lust of the flesh. The Bible says walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh is it does it say that if, if you go back and i read it it says it three or four times in that little short passage walk in the spirit walk in the spirit i just thought walk in the spirit meant you know only watch well i don't i can't even say that anymore because it doesn't exist but only watch movies from that festival you know where they're they approve them they're all good and and only do this and only do that and only do this and i'm telling you you can do all of that you want but there's no end to all of that and you'll find out you're just going to raise sinners too somehow but if you can get your children and yourself to walk in the spirit i can tell you right now you're not going to be sitting around uh, goofy-eyed by the, what the world has to offer if you're out on the battlefield with your sword covered in the blood of the enemy taking dominion for Christ. We talk too much about what they do. I think we worry and focus on the diseased liver instead of the incorruptible Christ. Amen? I'd like to invite you to walk in the Spirit today to walk by faith. Now, let's hear, let's hear this verse in a little bit of context. The one I... Quoted from here in 5.12. I'll give it a little bit more context. Ephesians 5.12. I'm going to expand it by going to 5.7 through 14. Be ye not therefore partakers with them. Right? We don't want to live like they do. Right? For you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. How many people want to walk as children of light? How many people want to live godly? How many people want to have clean families? I want to have them. But you can have cleaned up, good looking families who are not doing anything but doing it in their own flesh. And I'm telling you right now, God hates righteousness that comes from your effort. And you might think that he doesn't, but if you do that, you don't read your Bible very well. Jesus did not go around looking at the people in the world and go, look how nasty they are. Look how terrible they are. He went to the church. And the people in the church that were very much reliant on the good deeds they did, which Christ said that we ought to do, he looked at right at them and he said, you are a twofold child of hell. 
He said that you are a whited sepulcher, that you will traverse land and sea to make a disciple after yourself. And what you will do is you'll make them like your father, the devil. Did he not? Yeah, that's what he said. I don't remember him ever going to the woman in adultery, which was bad and which was wrong, and I can exegete the story too, but I don't remember him going, you're a nasty, evil, horrible woman, get out of my sight. I don't remember him calling the disciples and go, did you see what she was wearing? I hang around with Christian people, they go into restaurants, they're like, did you see that blouse she was wearing? I'm like, what do you think they're going to wear? They're heathens, they don't care about you. What are you looking for? Do you ever think about looking them in the eye and wondering if they know Jesus and not worrying about if they're low cut or tight, whatever? I'm telling you, we are sexually obsessed. Our, our modesty has become immodest. I talk about this. Have you ever been around people that are so modest, Kevin, that they, they're smoothing their clothes? You ever seen this? I call it the immodest modesty. Like, you know, I just don't want guys looking at me. <laughs> Don't want to tip man. I call it immodest modesty. They're so modest, you're like, man, they're just wow. What do they have that I could see? I, I don't even know. I'm just like, what what is going on with that? It's it drawing attention to themselves in their godliness. You know, I, I know more about this than you. I, I grew up in a church where it was illegal and immoral and ungodly, and you would go to hell if you wore a pair of pants. You would go to hell if you painted makeup on their face and you wanted to be a Jezebel. You would go to hell if you wore a piece of jewelry. I know what it's like to live in the land where, where the, the look covers the sin. And the girls look holy and righteous and godly and good, but they're not. And you might go, well, I don't know what that's like. I, you might know better than you think you know. Be not therefore partakers with them, for you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So we can see the subject here, right, Brother Kevin? Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit. So, wait a minute. Walk as children of the light, the fruit of the Spirit. He puts this in parentheses. I don't know why Tyndale put the parentheses there, but he did. In all goodness and righteousness and truth. We want to be good, but what kind of goodness do we want? The way we live should prove what is acceptable unto the Lord. And I'm telling you, proving what is acceptable to the Lord is not a show-off kind of a thing. It is when you are walking with God and you're walking by faith and you're doing what you should do, your life is going to be a life of forward motion, a life of faith. And it is not going to be a retreatist in a a scary, in a self-focused world. It's going to be outwardly focused. You're going to be serving others, loving others, losing your life for them. That's what Christ did, did he not? He says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. That's not a retreatist. In fact, that's saying you need to stop even, you should reprove them. Not just talk about it. Oh my, what are they doing? Maybe I would like to do that. I don't know. Ooh. I'm afraid if anybody sees anybody doing that, they'll want to do that. No. You should take the leadership here. And I really think that we need to hear this scripture. For it is a shame to speak of those things. You know, I went to Jimmy Swagger Bible College. Wow. <laughs> oh, man, I got, I got Scott Brown's mouth. I'm open. 
He was thinking about inviting me to speak at one of his conferences, but not now. Because that's what I'd have to put right down under my name, Jimmy Swagger. Well, I got kicked out, but you know, we'll, we, I can tell that story later. But Jimmy Swagger would get in the pulpit and he would go, he would go, people are out there. And the women are living lascivious. And he would hold that down. They're committing adultery. He was dripping with it and going to see prostitutes every day. He was. He his ministry five different times they caught him with prostitutes. He preached every week about how ungodly, how immoral, how they drip with sensuality. And I'm like, you know, this is a little scary, Brother Schweiger, you know. And of course we found out he had a little problem. <laughs> his little problem is that he was focusing on the sin so much that that's what he was looking at. God calls us. I love when I stay with Brother Kevin, I love this man. He goes, he, he will bring this sermon up that he preaches. I want to get a t-shirt made. Did they have it made at your church? Behold your God, right? Did I get it right? Amen. I think about it all the time. You know what? We turn our eyes to the things of the world and we worry about what they do. But walking in the spirit is not just turning away from the world. It's turning to God. Turning to God. It's a shame even to speak of those things, none of them secret, but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, awake thou that sleepest. See, we're right where we started at the beginning. Awake thou that sleepest. How do we wake up? We wake up by walking in the spirit. You see, we're dead when we walk in the flesh, but when we walk in the spirit, we're alive. Wherefore he said, awake thou that sleepest, arise from the dead in Christ. Christ shall give thee life. James chapter 4 you might miss this in here. He's talking to believers here in Jerusalem. This pastor, uh, this James is here in James chapter 4. He says, you lust and you have not. You kill and desire to have and you cannot obtain. You fight and you war. You have not because you... And you ask and receive not because you ask and miss. Now, how in the world do you know what to ask for? I can tell you how you know what to ask for by walking in the Spirit. If you walk in the Spirit, you know what to ask for. And you might go, well, I don't know what that means. Well, we're going to get into it. You guys got time for that? Praying the right way for the right thing. A man who is walking by faith, walking by the Spirit, ask God for the right things. And you know what happens, Brother Kevin? He gets them. My wife prayed. She's like, she was pregnant with our first son. She's like, honey... We said that we wanted our children, we wanted to raise our children. We don't want to send them away to anything. I can't even bear the thought of it. I said, honey, she was making twice what I was making. Honey, what, what could, I said, let me tell you what the man of God says. She says, what? I said, quit your job today. She goes, well, I mean, I'm not delivering for six months. I go, today. I said, why? She said, why? I go, do you think that the Lord of glory, that the God of heaven would not answer your prayer? To be allowed to raise your son. I said, honey, if you don't think that God will answer that prayer, you don't know my God. If you ask God the right things, he will let you do it. And I'll tell you the big long story if you want someday. I don't have time for that right now. But I'll tell you what. God blessed me at a church picnic. I was wrestling a guy. I was, I'm a wrestler. You know? And, and I was wrestling this guy and I had him. And, and he goes, man, he said, if you could sell things like, like you wrestle, man, you could come and work for me. And I just kind of thought it was funny, you know? And, he ended up hiring me and paying me $100,000 a year and gave me a car and I got to work from home. You know, no big deal. I was making $20,000 before that. 
my wife's like, okay, you're going to work from home. You got a car and you're making more than all what I made and you made and more. I'm like, yeah, that's what God does when you believe and you ask him for stuff. The right things. I remember, like I mentioned, wanted to adopt. Can't afford it. I'm like, well, what? No. If that's standing in your way, you are crazy. You need to just jump out of the boat. You need to go file the paperwork. We did it. Some church called me on the phone. They said, we hear the Robinettes want to adopt. I'm like, oh, really? They said, how much money do you need? I said, well, it's a lot of money. They go, will you just tell us how much? I said, and I wouldn't tell them. Because you know what I knew? They just paid on. I'm like, no, 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 brother. We want to do this. And I mean, I'm, I'm stupid sometimes. They're like, all right, all right. If you won't tell us. They said, when you get a phone call for the baby, would you at least tell me at that day how much money that you need? And they called a week later. They wrote a check. Paid the whole thing. This church. They're like, if, it, if the Robinettes are going to adopt, I want a baby raised in the Robinette home. I want to be a part of that. Our church believes in adoption. But what we really believe is in the Robinettes adopting. <laughs> You might, what are you talking about? I'm talking about walking by faith by going, God, I have a burden on my heart for fatherless children and I would like to adopt, but I don't have the money. It's time for you to give me some money, God. Why? Because I'm doing what you asked. I'm wanting it for the right reason. I don't just need more kids. God, there's a child out there that doesn't have a mom or a dad. And God, I want to, I want to be a part of that. And God, I have so many answered prayers, I could write a book like George Mueller. You want to write a book like George Mueller, Walk by Faith. Because that's all he did. He believed God. In fact, you're going to find out that's what faith is. And you might find that you might not even really have active faith. You might say, well, I have active faith for my salvation. Well, you know what? God didn't just save us to go to heaven, did he? He saved us to live right here on this earth and to do stuff. And in fact, that's what the whole Bible is about. The stuff that people do by faith, not what they do in their flesh. In fact, God rails against them over and over for those people that try to walk in the flesh. Because what is, all the work of the flesh is what? <laughs> that which is born of flesh is... Is that going to be able to stand? When the fire comes, is that going to be the incorruptible? No, flesh is as grass, the Bible says. You want to do something in the last, brothers, sisters in the kitchen. Learn to walk in the Spirit. 1 John 3, he describes what a man walking in the Spirit does. If you think this is out of context, read it for yourself. Read the whole book. And when you get to 1 John chapter 3, he says that whatsoever we ask, we receive because we keep his commandments and we do the things that are pleasing in his sight. You might go, oh no, I'm in a name it and claim it seminar put on by, you know, whoever. Yeah, you are. By God. You see, the devil, the last thing he wants you to do, brother, is ask God for something. He wants you to keep your mouth shut. He wants you to think, well, God doesn't really uh, involve himself in the affairs of mankind. He finished that work and, you, you know, you name some date and you get out your little graph. Really? You can, you can live like that. And I... <coughs> We'll wager that you're going to walk in the flesh because that's the only thing you're going to be able to do. You've got to learn, understand what walking in the Spirit's all about. So let's go back to Galatians 5 and back up a little bit and hear it again and in a greater context like we did Ephesians 5. Listen for the besetting sins listed here. How many of you would like your besetting sins to evaporate? 
Yeah. And you might go, well, I'm not trying to guarantee you perfection here, but what I'm telling you is you're, you'll do a whole lot better, I guarantee you. God can do what you can't do. And he, I'll show it to you. Galatians 5. He starts off, and I love these epistles. You know, they start off, like we talked about, they start off talking about God's sovereignty and his greatness and what he's done. But they always move into what we're going to do, right, in our lives, right? So there is sovereignty, but there's responsibility. There is, you know, I love, Brother Steve, I love what you were saying. You, I'm like, man, he's teeing me up. He's like, yes, God's sovereign. He goes, but he's sovereignly ordained that he's going to do what he does in the world when men pray. Amen. Mm, I just want to give you a holy kiss right now. <laughs> I'm preaching on that on Sunday, so just stay around. Just kidding, just kidding. Galatians 5, stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold all, I Paul say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. So he's addressing in the Galatian believers and we know this from uh, the book of Acts and what happens with them there uh, and the council that comes together and all here that he's telling them that these guys, the besetting sin is trusting in your own Righteousness. If you want to not trust in your own righteousness, what do you do? Everybody say, walk in the Spirit. Because what we want to do is we want to go, hey, I got this. I can do this. I can, I'm, I'm a Jew. I have all the right things. I'm going to circumcise. I'm going to do this. And there's like, yeah, there's profit in all of that. But not the kind of profit you want. For I testify again that every man is circumcised. He is a debtor to the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. Aha, verse 5. For we through the Spirit, everybody say, we through the Spirit. We wait. We wait for the hope of what? See, we talk, we get together, and I'm telling you, our group, we get together. We want to be righteous, Kevin. We want to be righteous, and we work on it. You cannot work on this kind of righteousness. It is a work that's done in you by the Holy Spirit of God. And I'm telling you, if you work and you spend your effort and your mind and your thoughts and your talk about being righteous, you will become ungodly. Because your righteousness, the Bible says, your righteousness is what? It's filthy rags. How come you don't despise it? Instead, you make conferences about it. I don't know which ones. I don't know which conferences, but you you follow me? We get so worried about that thing, okay? That we create our own righteousness. Righteousness that does not come from you is not real righteousness. You, you, you guys know Paul, right? You know Paul in Philippians chapter 3? He says, if, he says, we are the circumcision who have no confidence in the flesh. Right? You guys know this passage? Yeah. He, says, he, says, he says, if any man has any reason to have confidence in the flesh. Everybody say the flesh. This is his contrast here. If anybody has reason to have confidence in the flesh, I've got more than he does. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the Hebrew, the Hebrews of the tribe of Benjamin is touching the law. Blameless, right? He goes through this whole list of things, of good things that he could do. And he says, and what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Why? He said, I do not want to be found in Christ having my own righteousness. What is he talking about? What does he want? He said, I want the righteousness which is of God by faith. Everybody say by faith. faith. See where we're getting to walking by faith? We're going to talk about how to walk by faith here in a minute. But we get the righteousness which is of God, which is by faith. That's how we know God. 
You cannot know God in your flesh only, walking in your flesh with your ideas, with your rules. I used to tell people at our church, I said, we've got to be careful. Sometimes people will ask me what to do. And I said, I'm not going to tell you. I'm like, why? They want to know why. Why? Why? I said, I, well, I'm going to not get together with you and tell you how to go and buy apples at the store and tie them on your tree to pretend like you're an apple tree. I'm telling you, we do this at churches. If you want to be godly, then do this. So they run down to the godly fruit store and they grab it and they hang it around and they're hanging off the tree. And they're like, look at me. I'm a godly tree bearing fruit. And they're not. What's better is not to tell them at all. So you can see what kind of tree they are. They're barren. In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision avails anything or uncircumcision, but faith. Everybody say faith. Faith. Which worketh by love. You did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you a little leaven, leaveneth the whole lump. I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be none otherwise minded and that he that troubleth you shall bear his own judgment whosoever he be. And I, brethren, if I preach circumcision, why do I suffer persecution that is the offense of the cross cease? I would they were even cut off which trouble you. For brethren, you have been called to liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. flesh. See, he's contrasting flesh and spirit here, but by love. See, faith, when you walk by faith, you will live in love. That's what, that's what love is. It is a man who walks by faith. But by love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if you bide and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. People that walk in the flesh, you know what they do? They bite and devour and gossip and talk and run down other people. Why? Because they're looking. Well, look at what the Swansons do. I heard that they, you know, did X, Y, Z. And, and, oh, they are allowed to listen to this kind of music at their house. Or, did you see what this girl was wearing? Oh, oh, I'm just so concerned about her soul. Really? We don't see the, 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 the fleshly child nature that is in all that. That loves to contrast ourselves with other people in comparing ourselves one with another. We feel good. We love to talk about how bad they are. So we don't have to think about how bad we are. So he's, he comes to this point. He says, this I say then, walk in the Spirit. Kind of sounds like he he's, wants you to walk in the Spirit. Does it sound like he wants you to walk in the Spirit? Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And you may have not have really come to this approach. You may not have had anybody try to blast this into your brain like I'm getting ready to do it. But I am telling you right now that the Bible teaches it and so I'm going to teach it today. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And he breaks it down in verse 17. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are not small S's. They're big ones. Because if you're working in your flesh and you're trying to create righteousness that comes from rules and comes from regulations like the law, which was if there had been given a law that could have given life, verily righteousness would have come by the law. But the true righteousness of Christ cannot come by a set of things that we can do. But what it can come by is it can come by the Holy Spirit. When a man is filled with the Spirit and he walks in the Spirit... The righteousness of God can be revealed in his life. The flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other. So you cannot do the things that you will. 
You might, what are you saying? I'm saying that if you are walking in your own fleshly strength and you're not being led by the Spirit and you're not walking in the Spirit and you're not filled with the Spirit, that your flesh is just fighting against everything that is really good and lovely and beautiful that you can have in God. Verse 18, but if you're led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh, and, it, we, and we did the list, right? I think the reason the list is here, because I think some people would just be afraid that their sin wasn't going to be there. Because it almost doesn't sound like it works, you know? You ever try to sell, tell somebody something, Kevin, and you, it's so simple what you've told them to do, they just, they won't do it. You know, like Naaman, go down and dip seven times. He's like, I thought you were going to come out and meet me and we were going to have a great, you know, big deal. And it, no, no, just, just go over there in the muddy Jordan and dip yourself seven times. Go ahead. But, but I thought it was going to be different. I, I'd really like to, I'd like to have a parade beforehand and, and one afterwards. And, and can you say hocus pocus alakazam? Because if you could wear a big hat, that would be too, that would be, that would be totally awesome. And maybe one of them things, you know, I just learned what they're called, the stole. Works of the flesh are manifest, which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I told you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. However, and you guys all know this, you, you guys probably have this on the wall in your house somewhere, right? But the fruit of the Spirit. I think we get lost sometimes in the list and we're not understanding what it's talking about. It's saying... Efforts of the flesh, even our good efforts, Brother Trey, are not, they're, not, they're not beneficial. In fact, our good efforts oftentimes fight against the spiritual walk. We get so busy, so concerned, so tied up, so preoccupied working and trying to be good that we're not listening for God. We're not trying to follow God. We want to follow the pattern. You know, tell me how to raise good children. Tell me how to be a good Husband, Tell me how to do this. And we're like, if you could just tell me how to do it, that is what I'm going to do. And what God says, Sam, how about you do this? If you love your children, then you'll know how to do it. And the way that you'll be doing it will be different in your house and with your kid than maybe anybody anywhere. You go, well, well how are we going to sell that curriculum? And I'm not beating up my good buddy. I love everything you guys do. In fact, if you could slide those science books in my briefcase sometime when I'm not looking, Brother Kevin. Those science ones that you did, those are good. Okay. They're the color ones with yeah. the, the yeah. toucan on them. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there's no law. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh. Everybody say crucified the flesh. With the affections and lust. You see, when we stroke the flesh, even in goodness... I'm telling you, we, we don't, you, this is something that's probably hard for you to stomach. Probably hard for you to understand. You aren't good. Your ideas aren't good. The things that you want to do, the way you want to do it, you really, the best thing is to follow God and to listen to Him and let Him guide you and lead you in your relationships with people and your relationships in your church. We just want to be good Pastors, How about good pastors of your church of that saint who needs the Holy Spirit of God's intervention in their life? And you say, God, help me with this person. God, give me answers. Lead me. I'm not wise enough to do this. I don't know what to do here. He says in verse 
5 after he says in verse or 25 after he says in verse 24 we've crucified the flesh with the affections and lust 25 if we live in the spirit let us also walk in the spirit right and then he tells us why that we not be desires of vainglory provoking one another and envying one another i'm telling you all the church problems that you can ever talk about everyone that ever happens they happen when people walk in the flesh and not in the spirit and i don't mean walk in the flesh means they went and got a tattoo i'm not for that you know I'm feeling bad. Trace got a tattoo down there. You all right with that? People, people have a brand of what's the world. You know what I mean? And when we hear flesh and spirit, we got our brand. And I'm telling you, the, the brand that Jesus hated looks a lot like the one we like. I preach a whole sermon about this. If you want to go, it doesn't cost anything. Don't think I'm selling anything. I'm not. It's on our website. It's called Killing the King you may have to have a recovery process after you hear that sermon about how we're the lust of the eye and the lust of the flesh are we repudiate them but that's not all that's in the world brothers all that in the world is the lust of the eye the lust of the flesh and the that's our favorite we don't even talk about it. imagine if we had an anti-pro anti-pride of life conference <laughs> I said, I said at my church, I said, we take the pride of life and we put it up under our arm and we walk around with it and we pet it and we make little vests for it, you know, little vests, you know, a little, little, you know, got a little house for it, a little pad, a little place for it to lay. Yeah. The pride of life is ugly and disgusting and God hates it. Why? All this in the world. Do you know who's in the world besides you in the world? Do you know God hates your ugly, stinking, nasty flesh? And, and it raises up against God. The praying man talks to God. That's what these guys did. Now, we're going we're gonna to talk about faith. You guys ready for that? You guys ready? Yeah. All right. The praying man talks to God. Everybody say, the praying man talks to God. The praying man talks to God. Now, that's what everybody in the Bible you've ever read about, whoever did anything, that's what they did. They talked to God. But that's not all. Everybody say, God talked to them. God talked to them. It wasn't so much about what they didn't do because some of them did some pretty dumb, pretty sinful, horrible things. They were men and women of faith because they talked to God, they prayed, they believed God, and they lived like they believed what God said. That's what the life of faith looks like, and that's really how to walk in the Spirit. Hebrews chapter 11 lays it out very plainly for us, and it will beat you to death with this doctrine. You will get hit with it every way. You'll be wanting to give in round one. Hebrews 11.1 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Sounds, it's okay right now. It kind of sounds good, doesn't it? Wow. We're going to have a chart and we're going to explain what faith is and we're just going to lay it out. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Like, fantastic. Our elders prayed, though. Let's, you, can break, you can break this entire chapter and every single story and every single story from the entire Bible about every faithful man, and it is the same story. They prayed. Everybody said they prayed. They, prayed. they talked with God. Then they walked believing what God had said. That's what walking by faith is. It's really not any more complicated than that. 
not doing what you have planned to do, but getting your plans from God. Remember, God talked to them. God talks to men of faith. We'll look and see. Starts off in verse 3 of Hebrews chapter 11. It says, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Now, when you look at this in a theological and not in a personal perspective, you're missing something. When you have a conversation with somebody, Brother Sam, Brother Trey, when you have a conversation, what is happening? They're saying words, and you're saying words. And so the word of God being brought out here is talking to us about talking to God. God spoke to the universe. He said, let there be Let there be light. Let there be this. Let there be that. And guess what it was? So he spoke, okay, and the world, or, you know, however it works, he he can let us all know about this later, but things happened, right? They all obeyed everything that he wanted, and they came to be, right? That's what faith is. The world had faith in God. He told them to do this, and they did it. He said, let there be, and there was. Do you know that God wants you to be like that? God spoke and everything obeyed. That's what walking by faith is. When you hear God's voice, you obey it. Now that's not fair, Pastor Mark. I don't hear God's voice, but men of God do. Men who walk by faith. Verse 4, by by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it, he being dead, yet speaks, okay? Started off with Cain and Abel, right at the very beginning. Abel, how did he know what to offer God? Anybody? Do you think he just thought one day, you know what I'll do? I'm going to kill one of my animals here. This will be neat. Maybe God will like it. That's not what happened. Now, we don't hear the verse where it explains how it happened, but somehow... Cain and Abel knew God had told them. They obviously knew what God expected because God, of course, is angry with Cain when Cain does what? He offers his own great idea, right? So God's word had gone forth on what to do and all Abel did is just do it. And what Cain did was not do it. And more than that, he did what he thought was good. And I'm telling you, This is the beginning of the disastrous recipe for everything that goes on in the Christian's life. I preach this other thing, which I don't know, it's not even, I don't think, been recorded in many years. But I call it the the good way, the evil way, and the God way. Tree In the tree of the Garden of Eden, right? What was the name of the tree? Anybody know the name? The tree of the knowledge of? And we all hate evil and we issue evil and we're mad about evil. But what we, what we don't remember is that it was a tree of the knowledge of two different things. Good and evil. But what we don't do is despise the fact that man wants to know good and he wants to know evil. But he doesn't want to know who? God. In fact, was Cain saying, I don't want to come to church? Was Cain saying, I don't owe God anything? Or is Cain saying, I'm willing to come, I'm willing to offer, but I'm just bringing what I want to bring. I mean, I'm a farmer, right? I've got vegetables and I worked and I put my sweat and I did everything. It said that the ground would produce after my work and my sweat. And I did it, Lord. And I'm bringing you my vegetables. I mean, does it say anywhere that that Cain was nasty and mean and whatever? No, he had a better idea than God in his own mind. And so he did the good thing. And I'm telling you, 
When men choose to know good and they choose to know evil, either one it is, and not God. See, that was the problem. God talked to Adam in the garden and Adam wasn't content to just hear from God. He wanted to know good and evil for himself. And there are many stories in the Bible like this where they have a good idea, right? What is Saul going to do? You know what? Let's not kill Agag. Let's not kill these animals. We're going to kill them later. And we're going to have a big ceremony. And we're going to offer them to God. They're going to die anyway, right? What does God do to Saul for doing that? He kills everybody. He wins the battle. All the animals are going to die anyway. It's almost, it's a better idea than God's idea. I mean, doesn't God love sacrifice and all this? Oh, yeah, let's do that. This great idea. He loves it. So he gets the kingdom removed. Why? You don't have better ideas than God. That's, the, that's, that's why. The good way, the, the, you know, it is not the good way to go and march around Jericho all these times. Like what? It's going to fall down. That's not a good military strategy. It's not a good military strategy to have 10,000 men and whittle them down to 300 and go fight the Midianites. It's not, this is, this is crazy. But it's guys who did what? Listen to, they listened to God. Not military strategy, not their ideas, not based on who they were and what they were. It's all about God. Are you following this? He knew what to offer God because God had told him Cain did what he thought was best. Instead, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God translated him for before his translation, he had the testimony that he did what he, he pleased God. You hear that? What does the Bible say? He that cometh to God, right? Without faith, it's impossible to. So Enoch walked by faith, right? He's being listed in the faith. He walked by faith. Why? Because he did what God wanted him to do. And it pleased God so much so that he just, he really walked in the spirit. Did he not? He's gone. Verse six, without faith, it is impossible to please God. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. And see where we get stuck on the must believe God, right? But the Bible says, and say, and. And he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Not only must we believe in God, but we must believe that he's listening, that he's watching, that he's talking, that he's interacting. And we must do what he leads us to do. Whether it be what you find in God's word or how he deals with you in a friendship in an individual way. And you might go, I don't know if God really does that. Well, you might want to try it out. Do you just know about God? Or do you know God? That might be worth asking. If you are a former, you, I don't believe that you're walking in the Spirit. And if you're the latter, then you're fo- hopefully you're following what God says. You know, God does talk to people sometimes and they don't do it. You guys know the story of Jonah? God talked to him, told him what to do. He didn't do it. And so God had him swallowed up by a great big fish right we know the story simple formula god next in verse seven we'll read about it i'll tell you the the continued simple formula by faith noah being warned of god of things not seen as yet he moved with fear prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness which is by faith 
Simple formula here, guys. God talked to Noah. Everybody say, God talked to Noah. And he acted on it. Right? He believed God, not the meteorologist of his day, not his own strength. He believed God. He was a man of faith walking in the Spirit. His walking in the Spirit, though, was building this big, giant boat that nobody believed would have any reason. It's goofy. It's silly idea. You've, you've been down to Cincinnati or down in Kentucky. You've seen it. It's amazing. What in the world causes a man to build something like that? Folks, that right there is a picture of faith. And what did the faith bring? But the salvation of the world. In this man's family and in life. He walked by faith. He heard something that God said. And he did it. Maybe I go, Martin, you're being so simple. Trust me. I think there's plenty of people that actually don't know that God talks to people still. If the life of Abraham, we will see the same thing over and over again. And I'm only at the beginning of Hebrews 11. Are you about ready to pass out yet? Come on. If you, you can pass out. That's all right. Rest in Jesus. We do not see the personal goodness of Abraham touted. His super clean living. We see that he talks to God. Everybody say, he talked to God. In fact, he's even called a friend of God. I mean, it almost makes me nervous. And I talk to God all the time. When people tell me they're friends with God, I'm like, yeah. You're probably some kind of charismatic, whack job. That's what I think. Why? Because most of the people that say they talk to God are. But I'm telling you, if you're a man of God, he, he will talk to you. God will speak to you. That's what prayer is. Prayer is not a, a one-way thing. It's not just some ritual, guys. We do not see the goodness of Abraham touted as super clean living. We see that he talks to God, even called the friend of God. Someone who not only talks to God, but he talks to him a lot. He prayed a lot. We don't like to think about people talking with God because we have the religious ideas of what prayer is. Men and brethren, prayer is not a one-way religious exercise or a gift of our time, pain on our knees, proof of our devoutness. You know, how many hours do you pray? How long do you do it? Are you really holy? Come on, guys. I'm telling you, that kind of thinking is wrong. I got in my time. You know, it sounds like that Pharisee, you, the Pharisee, I do this and I do this and I do this and I do that. And you know what? Praise God that he did all that. But it's sorry that all of it was junk in the nostrils of God. Why? Because he was doing it in his own righteousness. Do you know you can do all that by faith? You can pray and, you know, tithe and fast and you can do all that in the spirit. I'm not saying not to do it. I'm saying men who walk in the spirit, they do those things, but they don't do them the same way or for the same reason. Why does the Bible say that God detests the prayer of the ungodly? Because his prayer, even his prayer is corrupt. Our flesh, in it there's nothing good. We are totally and completely depraved. If we leave the God talking to us to the wacky kooks, we're going to get left behind from the halls of faith. That, that there's, a, there's a book that God is writing today and you aren't going to be in it. We'll end up being the Pharisees and the story written about us one day. We had it all right. We had the good doctrine. We knew how to do it just right. 
but we weren't crazy enough to believe that God would talk to people today. I would encourage us to talk to God and to listen for his voice, to ask God to speak to you and lead you. Learn to walk like these men. So how did they walk? By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into the place where he should after receive an inheritance. What did he do, guys? He obeyed. And he went, not knowing where he went. That's what faith is. God calls you to do something. You don't even have to understand it. You just do it. So many people that I've talked to about doing good things for God, they go, I need more details. Could you lay out for me exactly what's going to happen? I said, if I could, I would. And if I do, I'll be making them up. Because I don't know what God's going to do. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob and the heirs of him, the same promise. For he looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker was God. He was looking for what wasn't even that no, it was, it was crazy for him to believe it was there. But that's what faith is. Faith is when God says something, you can already actually see it. He looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker was God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. It was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. She judged God faithful who had promised. She wasn't counting on a code of behavior. She believed what God had said. They didn't even have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They didn't even have it. Therefore sprang even one of him as good as dead. So many of the stars of the sky and the multitude and the sand which is by the sea side innumerable. It did not happen in her strength or her flesh, but God's, by God's spirit. But it happened in her flesh. And I can tell you right now, every, every amazing thing that God does on this earth right now he, he generally is doing it through some person these things are happening you might go well why don't I have any stories like that well maybe you should ask God and open up to that and, and not worry so much about what people might think of you you think people really were excited for Abraham to take all this stuff and just go out there no Verse 13, these all died in faith, having not received the promises. I love this, but they saw them. <laughs> they didn't even get them. I went to Israel a couple months ago, and I got to go where Abraham was. It was pretty great. And I could see it. But you know what the Bible tells us? That he saw it. And he never got to live until it was even there. But he could see it. He was not only could he see it. He, Sam, he was persuaded by them. And he embraced them and he confessed them. I mean, if you were looking for bullet points for a sermon, brothers, here's one. He saw them, he persuaded them, he embraced them, and he confessed them. That's what walking in faith is. You can see the thing that God is dealing with you about. This year I went to the city of Matupi. And you might say, okay, all right, you're going to hear another story. Well, this is a true story. It can be verified by lots of people. Some of, Steve can verify this. I told the brothers of our presbytery, I said, you know, I was praying about what God was going to do in Myanmar. I was praying what God was going to do. And I said, and in my prayer, I could see people coming to Christ. And it was nighttime and, and I'm just praying and I can see because I'm saying, God, what am I going to do when I go to Myanmar? Our doctor that normally goes with us can't go. We normally do medical clinics. What are we going to do, God? And I pray and I could see it. You might, okay, Mark's gone crazy. He's gone Revelation, crazy, Pentecostal, whatever. I don't care what you think about me. 
I mean, I'd like you to like me, but I'd be a liar if I wasn't telling this story. I prayed, I could, I'm like, what in the world? We don't, we don't do evangelistic outreach services. You go to prison for doing that in Myanmar. I let the people there who know how to speak the language and know where and how and what we do. I'm there to support them and love them and help them. I, I don't even know what I'm doing there. But God was dealing with me. I could feel it on my heart to do evangelistic outreach service. And I'm like, that's kind of scary and kind of dangerous and kind of stupid. And, and we don't even, we've never even done that before. And I, I was, I was, but I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to inoculate myself against my own fear. I'm going to call my brothers in the presbytery and I'm going to tell them what I think God has showed me is going to happen when we go to Myanmar. Because if I do that, I won't check it out. Now you might go, men of God don't check it out. <laughs> yeah, they do. And the way that I don't check it out sometimes is by telling my wife what God's dealing with me about. And she never lets it go because she has learned that God talks to her husband. You know, you know, you want your wife to have confidence. If you get around my wife, my wife is a treasure. And my wife will tell you this. She will say, if, if my husband says God spoke to him, then he did. Whatever that is, we're doing it. My, my wife would do anything. How did she get to know that? She watched it. I'll come to my wife. I'm like, honey. God was dealing with me. Okay. All right. That's it. End of story. I mean. And if I was some sort of reprobate, I could just pull that out of the time. God dealt with me that you're supposed to give me the biggest kiss ever right now. You know, wouldn't that be great? Um, but they saw them afar off. Okay. And anyway, what happened in Montepiece? We go. And we had stuff happen over there. I'd never seen. People were running to the front and crying out and tears coming down their eyes and receiving Christ. And they're yelling. And I'm like, and Brother Scott, I'm like. Pastor Nate, can you tell me what they're yelling? I mean, imagine you're over there and people, and you know, we don't have altar calls in our church. We're, we're, we are present. We have a liturgy, bless God. But literally there's people going, you know, I'm like, I'm having a flashback to my Pentecostal days. Like what in the world's going on? And they're coming up there and tears are coming down their face. There was one woman that was nursing a baby and, and it's attached to her body. And she tears are running down her face and they're going, bah, 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 bah. and I'm like, what in the world are they screaming? And when they told me what they were screaming, mm, one was yelling out, I am a child of the Most High God. I'm like, wow, I'm about ready to start shouting. One says, I will serve Jesus the rest of my days. I'm like, she just said that and another one. They were lined up in a line all the way across the front. I didn't even have an altar call. And they came. And I'm like, Oh, oh, and in the middle of it all, Brother Scott, the power went out. We had, there was power in this village, and they, were, they went out a generator, and the generator went out. And it was like there was lightning. It was, it, was, it was incredible. Everyone's holding up their cell phones and turning on their lights. And it didn't stop anything. They didn't care whether the lights were on or off. It was beautiful. But what I had seen in my prayer time, as God was leading me, I saw this darkness in this prayer, and I couldn't get it. And I'm like, there it is. Well, I told my brothers about what I thought was going to happen. And did it happen, Brother Steve? I told them in November and it happened in February. They saw them afar off. They were as real. I'm telling you, I, I was this whole time on this trip. I kept saying to the team members, I'm like, they're like, has it, you know, has the thing you've seen happen? I'm like, not yet. You know, we had someone come to the Lord. And they're like, was that what you saw? I'm like, no, that wasn't it. You know, it was like. And I kept thinking about it being dark. I know this sounds really, really spooky. Just This is totally not what you were thinking. But I'm just, I didn't mean to even tell you the story. Sorry. Sorry. This will be in 201. 
They saw them afar off. They embraced them and they confessed them, right? You know, when you know what God is doing and you know what God will have you to do, to see them, to embrace them, to act on them and to confess them, that's what they did. And they were called faithful, right? You tell other people. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if it had been, if they had been mindful of the country from where they came out of, they might have had the opportunity of return. But now they desire a better country that is a heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared them a city. They believe more in what they could not see with their eyes than what they could. And folks, I'm telling you, that's what faith is. When you begin to walk with God in what looks impossible or difficult or, you know, crazy, you believe that more than the reality that everyone else is living in. That's what people of faith do. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, he offered up Isaac. I talked about this last week. I'm like, he could, he could raise up his hand, Brother Scott, and come down with a knife because he could see his son alive. He could see his grandchildren. He wasn't worried about what a knife might do to that. He believed God's promises. God said, through this boy, you are going to be nations like the sand of the sea. And I'm going to bless you. And the Bible says that he, be- he saw him alive while he was killing him. That's what faith is. We like, I'd like to have that kind of faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he had received the promises, offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that Isaac shall be thy seed. Right? God said it, right? But if I kill him, how can it be? By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning these things. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed the sons of Joseph, worship, leaning upon his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel, gave commandment concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months by his parents because they saw he was a proper child. You go one after the other and you go through this thing and you'll find that every single one of these, it says that... They were esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than the riches of Egypt because they believed in God's reward. They believed they were really dealing with a real God. By faith, Moses forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. He endured as seeing him who is invisible. We could go through the whole thing. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. They fell down after what? After God said they were going to fall. After God said, you go and you go do that. That's what's going to happen. That's how you're going to take the city. And they did it. By faith, Rahab did what she did. By faith. And they go, he's go, you know, I could speak at length of Barak and Samson and David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promise, stopped the mouths of lion, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. I mean, wow. How'd they do that? They did it by faith. These were not great men. They were men of great faith. There are people that I know, they're like, well, Pastor Mark, you've done so many things and all this stuff. And I'm saying, if you think that I do them because I think I can do them, you, you just don't know me. I could tell you of my weaknesses and my failures and every stupid thing I've ever done. But I'll tell you what, I, all they, you know what they do to me, Trey? They may just trust me less and God more. Women received their dead, raised again to life. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. 
Sometimes walking by faith is like William Bradford. William Bradford felt called to come to America to open up the way, right? You guys ever read his book, The Plymouth Plantation? And I'm telling you, when you read that, you go, okay, this is a man of faith. You read the story of what it took for them to get there, and you go, that was a man of faith. In his book, he said, they said, why in the world would you go to a place where, you know, Indians are, you know, taking the flesh off of people's bodies and cooking it over a fire and eating it in front of them? Why would you go? And he goes, we said, if we could just be but stepping stones for the advancement of Christ. Folks, I'm telling you, that's what a man of faith. He saw a country. He was like Abraham. He saw America. He never really got to live in it, right? He got to live in the wilderness and the Indians and the difficulty. He had, he had a little bit of glimpse. He had no idea what God could do. They were stoned, sawed asunder, tempted, slain by the sword. You can walk by the Spirit right into the mouth of a lion that eats you. So what? That'll be a great ending. Amen. That'll be fabulous. That'll be fantastic. It's not, I tell my kids, I'm like, if I get eaten by a tiger in Myanmar, won't it be great? They're like, Dad, you're crazy. You're, you've got a heat stroke. It's not all about all the bad things that don't happen to you. It's walking by the Spirit. All right. I, I got to do one more thing. Can, we do, can I just do one more thing? Yeah. So Ephesians chapter 6 says, after all this walking in the Spirit, after all these things, he teaches us how to war in the Spirit. And it's, it's after he teaches us about walking in the Spirit, we war in the Spirit. So I'll... Kind of a good beginning word here, Ephesians 6.10. Finally, my brethren. So I'll say that to you. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of whose might? His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And I'm telling you, this is we, we forget this. We wrestle not with flesh and blood. Now, we always think that, that we're not fighting against flesh and blood. But we don't even wrestle with our own flesh and blood you understand our flesh and blood does not wrestle with the flesh and blood it is the power of the holy spirit within us that defeats our enemies for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers the darkness of this world against the spiritual wickedness in high places we know that the weapons of our warfare right are not carnal but are mighty through god right if you fight a fight that is fleshly, you fight a fight that you will lose. But once you understand that the fight is spiritual, you will learn to walk in the spirit and fight in the spirit too. He says, verse 13, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. But what are we to do above all? Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. I think it's interesting that a lot of people miss that there, are, that there is not only a sword as an offensive weapon here, but what's mentioned after the sword? Prayer. He says, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying. Many times we'll say, well, there's nothing else we can do. We'll just pray. 
And I say at our church, if you say that at our church, you'll get run over by a train at our church. Don't talk like that. That's not true. Prayer is not doing nothing. Prayer isn't the thing we do when we can't really do something. Prayer is a weapon we pull out against the enemy. And we, we say prayers and we believe that when we do, we are dispatching angels. We are casting down imaginations. Folks, if you, if you saw what, what Brother Kevin was telling us was going on, I absolutely believe it's a frightening thing. I don't think we can see it, but it's out there. I mean, the Bible mentions it. Principalities, powers, rulers of might, the dominion. You read the Bible stories about people praying and, and angels and the prince of Persia and Greece and all this stuff. You're like, what in the world is all that about? That's about some real scary stuff. But the man of faith, he's not worried about that. He, his eyes, he can see that, that the angel of the Lord encamps about those that, that fear him. And folks, that, who, the devil is afraid of you. He's absolutely afraid of you. He, he, he's, he runs. Resist the devil and he what? Please. He'll flee from you. So when you walk by faith, I'm telling you, this is what I believe the Bible teaches. Learn to walk by faith. Learn to listen to God. Learn to believe what God says. Embrace what God says. Do what God says. And you are going to see things happen in your life that will amaze you. You'll see, you'll see a righteousness that is not of your flesh. That will come out. Do you know it's so much more beautiful? I'll, I'll, I'll close with this little illustration. You guys remember why, they, why the Colosseums closed down back in Roman days? You, you probably got this in your history book, right? They, they closed down because nobody came. I mean, we want to shut Hollywood down. You know how you shut Hollywood down if nobody watched it? You want to shut down sin in your life. How about if you just didn't want to do it? What would happen, brother, if you just didn't really want to? I mean, that wouldn't be so hard, would it? We wouldn't have to worry about the guards and the walls and the save. He just, like, you know what? Just, it's not good. You know, something started to happen in me, Brother Kevin, in my life when I came to understand this. I struggled with a lot of things. And I struggled against them. And, 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 and I, I like to think of myself as kind of a tough guy. And I'm going to beat it. And I'm going to fix it. And I'm going to quench it. And I'm going to kick it. And I'm going to kill it. And I'm going to, blah, 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 you know. And God says, well, when you're done doing that, bring it to me. And I'll tell you, something beautiful and miraculous happened inside of me. I don't really want to do those things that I wanted to do before. That were plaguing me, were a struggle. They were frightening me. Brother, they were frightening me. Oh, yeah. They are frightening What would this do to my church? Yeah. What would this do to my wife? What would this do to my children? It's scary. Sin, sin's a frightening and scary and horrible thing. You, you, you think I'm up here joking around like it's no big deal, like look at any. No, I'm not trying to say that. I'm saying if you want to be free from the lust of the flesh, walk in the spirit. God will change you. I had someone say, you know, I do all of this, 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 but I want to. He goes, you know, I'm glad. He goes, I just don't want to. Wouldn't that be amazing? If the sins that beset us became unappealing to us because we learned to be men who walked in the spirit because if you walk in the spirit what does it say you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh be men of faith let us pray lord it's my prayer lord that in my excitement lord that i have not made it this truth more difficult to be heard but lord that through it maybe 
it was heard more easily. Lord, it's such an exciting thing to be delivered from the lusts of the flesh. I'm not trying to say that I don't have any, but I'm saying I do believe that if any man's ever going to be delivered, it can only be through a changed heart. Lord, it's such a scary thing, Lord, to try to, you know, when you got so many kids, to protect them from all that there is, to be protected from, to be with them all the time, to worry about their minds and their hearts and their thoughts. And, oh, God, it can really, really, really plague us. God, give our children new hearts. God, give us a new heart. Oh, let us love your word. Let us love you. Give us hearts that don't desire the things of the flesh, but desire to walk with you and enjoy it. And who say, I would never trade the peace of walking with my God in the garden for the dark cloud of sin. Oh, God. Thank you for giving me a heart like that, Lord. Lord, it's such a horrible thing. And I know there are men who are here that right now are just plagued and they're terrified and they're worried. And and Lord, they're bound. Lord, let them repent today. Let them surrender. Let them die to that hard, hard work they've been doing to save themselves. And Lord, save them. Save him. In Christ's name, amen.